Liquor Talk. New episode starts now. Welcome one, welcome another to another edition of the Liquor Talk Podcast. I'm your man, Victor. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I need y'all to pour up with me and welcome today's guest podcast podcasting out of Atlanta. She is the founder of the Good Fight um, nonprofit, and she's also the host of the Unfiltered Unspoken Podcast. It's Demetria in the house. Welcome to Look and Talk, Demetria. How you doing tonight? Welcome. I just had one correction. I'm out of VA, Virginia. Oh, yeah. Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But other than that, we good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I just want to thank you for coming on and um, shout out to the VA. You know, um, I've had a lot of uh, great conversations with people from the VA. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah um, New York expensive as hell and the police everywhere because I drove through Virginia to get to um, Philadelphia one time. I mean, we saw about four or five troopers. I'm like, are you serious? God damn. Yes. It's- <laughs> Yeah, Fairfax County. So I'm I'm Maryland, Virginia, DC. So we're all we call it the DMV. And Virginia cops are brutal. So yeah. And they don't even be in charges. They be in them little 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 small little cars. I don't know what you call them things, but other states got chargers and SUVs. Virginia got them out there in these little mini sized cars. Virginia got all the vehicles and the fast ones. You might not even know it's a cop. And I'm going to tell you what's funny is if you go to Maryland, Bethesda, Montgomery County, that's like a richer area. The cops will be in regular cars like BMWs, Audis, Mercedes, and they will pull, they will get you. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen cops in regular cars here too, but sometimes you can, it's a little easier to spot though, so. But tell the people about your platform, Unfiltered, Unspoken Podcast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, that uh, platform was actually um, started from me sharing my life experience, from sharing my traumas. And so I I felt it was effective because folks start coming to me. They start pouring out to me. So it's actually an extension of our nonprofit. But and, and it was a reach to share life experiences of folks going through all different kinds of traumas. It could be insomnia, chronic pains, domestic violence, murders, incarceration. So we wanted folks to see life traumas and how you can heal for those life traumas. And that's facing starting a lot of it is within your childhood, because I'm a firm believer and I have workshops called childhood traumas affecting adult decisions. And as a reflection in the mirror, um, my childhood trauma affected me and the decisions that I made. So um, we we made you unfiltered, unspoken so folks can see how people are starting the journey to heal in different areas. And if they're struggling one of our guests can help them. That's real. That's real. So what was the motivation behind starting this podcast? Me. <laughs> um, my uh, So my ex-husband uh, brutally beat and stabbed me six times. Um, and um, yeah, so I went through depression. Um, I was suicidal, stressed. Um, mental issues, confusion. So it took a really long time for me to get my life together. And he stabbed me with a steak knife and he was stabbing me so hard with the steak knife, it actually split in half. So I have, he stabbed me one over my heart, one here, one here, um, one here, and one over my shoulder blade, uh, two in my hand. I had to have a major surgery. Um, they had, mm-hmm. uh, went in to repair my tendons and nerves, but I still have pains. Um, this happened, it's coming up on 11 years. And then I had uh, 15 stitches up my chin to lip. My face was split open. I had six, um, three staples in my head. And I was just, I was, you, you don't, uh, I was beat up. Um, but I have to take accountability in the situation as well. This is what I t- tell folks because, um, you know, there are red flags. So going through the traumas and me needing people there, um, I wanted to create a platform where folks that are struggling that can't talk to people 
can talk to someone because I went through those struggles. So it was just a way to give folks an outlet. And then I dug deep down into my childhood after um, just yearning to heal, to be happy, to love myself, to be at peace after over almost a decade of being in a depression and decades and decades of my family still controlling my life from my childhood traumas. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, now, first question is, did the, did the ex-husband get thrown in jail for the rest of his life? So that's another thing. So he did serve time. And this is what I tell people. This is where a lot of the opinions come in. I asked for a plea bargain and I asked for a plea bargain because I didn't want, there were youth involved. I didn't want them to have to get up and testify and relive what happened. And also I was mentally unstable. So if I had the strength or the knowledge that I have now, I would have made sure that he received life. But because I was weak, um, I didn't know myself. I was confused. Uh, I just, I think I disliked myself. I didn't love myself. I just wanted to be out of the situation. So uh, he got a 10-year sentence with parole. I, he was out within seven years. So seven years, almost eight, seven years, uh, almost eight years. And um, I just wish I would have did things differently. Yeah, um I hope I hope you got a lifetime restraining order as well, you know, to make sure he don't ever come back around. I don't. Uh, I do not. Um, ha I don't. Um, but I have seen him. Uh, he uh, two years ago, he used to ride past my home. We have a child together as well. And I have full soul and physical custody of her. And um, I, I looked him in his face. uh one day, eye to eye, he had been riding past my house for quite some time. And finally, one day, God connected our eyes. And I looked at him and I let him know, you could tell, I'm, I'm not scared of you anymore. Like, I feared for years and years and years. But um, I had to write a letter to the judge. I wrote a letter to the judge. And I let the judge know that uh, he was riding past my home. And I haven't seen him since. Did you ever think of going to the dark side and just taking matters into your own hands because I've seen I've seen some stories where the woman messed around and killed her abuser and stuff in which uh, I, I gotta say you gotta protect yourself I've seen those stories as well did that ever cross your mind just anytime he rolled past your house just have have your heater out and take him out to get you get revenge this is the thing uh, when he stabbed me when I went to the hospital I looked I looked in the ceiling and I had been begging um, the man above to get me out of this marriage. And he didn't say how he was going to get me out. But that's why this is a lesson learned because he spared my life. And that's the way God took me out of that relationship. And when I went to the hospital, I looked in the sky and I said, I forgive him. And I had friends that wanted to retaliate and I looked at them and I told them, I said, if you do anything against my will, I will no longer deal with you. You let God deal with the situation. Something about that moment just uh, changed my life. It's like, it's, it's not my fight. That's his fight. And that's God's fight. So when I seen him, I did let him know that um, I wasn't scared of him and I will protect myself, um, but I'm not looking for any trouble either. It's just, let's keep our space. We don't have anything to say to each other. Um, I mean, he all, there, there's no justification of someone trying to take someone's life. That's real. And that's the most mature answer I've heard, you know what I'm saying? Because I've had those I've had those moments where I want to get back at somebody, but I think the biggest victory in all in all is to show that person that life is still continuing when I'm still prospering and business is still booming in spite of the shit you put me through, you know. So 
I have to remind myself of that too. So, you know, and I'm glad to see you um, remind yourself and I, I'm glad you tell your story to everybody. Now talk about how the nonprofit started. I know it came from you telling your story, but sometimes people want to get out of the situation and then just for disappear and fall face of the earth. So we cater to uh, men, women, women, and youth. And a lot, a lot of what I personally, me personally, because my whole team will tell you, I, I put a lot of work into this baby and, and they give me credit for that. And I love them for that. But there is a team uh, behind the good fight. But um, I implemented things as kids. What did I like to do as a kid? I like the community center. What did I like? I like cars. Um, I like to have fun. So I took those things and like informational stuff. If I had resources or knowledges, this probably could have helped me. So I took everything of my life experience that I felt as though could help me and could help others. And I, I said I wanted to make a platform where we're giving back to communities. We're trying to, um, you know, get as many resources as we can so that we can share resources. But not only that, we want to create a unity of uh, positivity, defeating negativity. So, you know, that's some of the biggest pieces of the good fight. Uh, we have youth workshops. We have youth community events. Uh, we give back to areas in need. Um, hygiene kits. So for the youth, because a lot of youth get bullied for hygiene. Um, we give a lot of school stuff, but we focus on giving hygiene products, six products, full size, um, uh, Toothpaste, toothbrush, body wash, lotion, lava sponges, or three, uh, wash rags, and uh, deodorant, a full size. So we just donated uh, 20 kits to um, uh, area in D.C. in need uh, for the kids. And you just should have seen the face, the smiles on their faces. And we have workshops, childhood traumas affecting adult decisions. Uh, now we have um, some youth tutoring that's about to come up. Um, uh, we have a public school teacher that's going to come out and do six sessions every other Saturday, you know, to teach kids that are challenged with reading and writing. And uh, then we're going to we're having a cyber uh, workshop for kids seventh through uh, 12th grade. So we're trying to give back in a lot of areas um, of, you know, facing your childhood trauma, stopping kids that are going through childhood traumas or protecting them so that, you know, they don't have to go through what we we some of us have experienced. Uh um, life traumas, uh, we deal with life traumas and it affects us, uh, domestic violence and mental health because all of those bucket into, uh, mental health. So we focus on areas of just bringing positivity and, um, giving back to communities, men, women, and youth. Well, that's amazing. And I hope you continue to keep up the good work. Um, now going back to your transition over to your podcast, um, I did see you guys drop the episode. Um, talking about the power of second chances, um, how do you know if everybody's people are are worthy of second chances? Because in my personal life, I've given second chances and people have just not taken advantage of them. Like, God damn, like, do you not see how it is, how, how fucking awesome I am? It's like, because to put up with all this mess you put me through, you know, it's like, whether it's friendships, relationships, jobs, like. How do you know, is it okay to give somebody a set, give that job or that thing a second chance? Or is it time to just say to hell with them, you're not getting a second chance? I think sometimes in situations it's to say hell with them if people are continuing to abuse us and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that the abuser or the person that is affected in all areas um, can't heal. Um, and what I mean by that is sometimes a lot of folks go through aggressions and anger because of what they went through their childhood. Uh, let's go back to uh, Tim Smith, who was, um, you know, originally he didn't know his dad. Um, not, uh, not, I mean, 
nine years old, he found out the father that was raising him was his uh, wasn't his dad, and his dad had been murdered when uh, after seventeen months of him as a child. And then him going to school, being bullied, then he became a bully. And then all his anger, frustration from not having a dad in his life and him, his, the, the, through the process, he becomes uh, from weak to power, right? And then a drug addiction, right? So he took wrong paths. And when he would go to the other side of the family, they were the ones more in the streets and the hood. So he learned two sides, a mother that was raising him well, but on his dad's side, a side that was showing him different ways. And he loved, he liked those different ways and became accustomed to them. And he made poor choices, but now he's realized everything that he's been through, his traumas. So he's like, I went through all of these. And then I started to have remorse about what I went through. He didn't want to do drugs anymore. He wanted to get clean. He wanted to do a lot of things, but he had a strong mother behind him and a strong stepfather behind him, which is, he said, it's his father. So, um, yeah, I think people are entitled to second chances, especially if God touches their heart to change, but omitting truth, taking accountability, not asking for a second chance just because. Why Why do you need a second chance? But for folks like him that's coming out and said, I did these things. I hurt people. I take accountability. I was angry. I apologize. You know, that's a big step. And a lot of people, I tell people it's two things, forgiveness and accountability. And if you can do those two things, you can start the journey to healing. That's real. And you know what? And I will say the biggest thing that really changed my perspective on someone is you taking accountability that you fucked up because a lot of people they I've learned over the years a lot of people they'll just rather go ghost on you than to say okay I messed up that was my bad or if they see something you or they see you snap one day and they're not take they like they like to want to play the victim role instead of owning up to okay if I hadn't did this I pushed them to this way you know what I'm saying so that's why I say it's like shout out to the people who do take accountability for their actions. And also, and if you take accountability for your actions, it makes it the forgiveness part a whole lot easier. And also, it is to change behavior as well if you're going to be a part of that person's life. Because sometimes we can we can forgive someone and want nothing to do with them. Exactly. And if you go back to the episodes on the podcast, you'll see where a lot of folks, a lot of, a lot, I can say probably 80% of the stuff, and, and it may be higher than that, 85% of the stuff flows from folks' childhood. It starts right at the childhood. And a lot of these folks, it's taking them to their 30s and 40s and some, some of them 50s, just to even realize that this hurt, this is hurting me. This is pain, but they talk about it. Now they're life coaches. So if I'm going through a life trauma, who would I want to talk to? I would actually want to talk to someone that has been through what I have been through. And that's another piece of this is if you went to a psychologist and they say you're depressed, I guess the 10 is like you're happy and the one is like you're depressed, right? If you're coming to a platform like Unfiltered, Unspoken, and you see someone that's going through what you went through and they give you advice on how they're healing and you start to get that advice on how that they're feeling. Before you went to the therapist and you seen that, it might have been a 10. I mean, a, a one. You're depressed, right? But think about watching Unfiltered, Unspoken podcasts and someone's giving you tips and advice. Guess what? Mm -hmm. You can take some of those tips and advice and be like, you know what? It's helping me. And then you can incorporate other things that's going to help you. And by the time you go see that therapist, you may be at a five mm -hmm. instead of that one, or you may be at a six. So now you can go through that therapist and let go of the things that's hurting you and that you need help with because you're dealing with the biggest piece of it. That's real. And also one thing I've learned is sometimes people be lying to them therapists and they will lie to them damn tests. And sometimes it's always the happy ones, the ones that seem like they're happy to have it all going on, the strong ones, them be the ones hurting the most. But why do you feel like, people suffer in silence because I'll admit I've suffered from this too because like I've said over the years like 
if um if I'm suffering from something and I've noticed that people really can't help, you know, it's like you can be suffering, but and tell somebody and they just like, oh well, you'll get through it. They're not doing anything to really help you get through it. And that's why people are afraid to say something because you're already hurting inside. So you have trust issues already within yourself. So if you have trust issues within yourself, who are, how many people are you going to really trust outside? Because if you see what a lot of people go through is they're open up and confined in someone. And then that person that they confined in starts rumors and telling people, oh, they going through this, their house on that, she getting beat up, blah, 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 blah. Instead of letting that person come to them and, and vent to them in a safe space, in a safe spot where they can feel comfortable. They don't have to worry about all of this getting out. And then the next thing you know, a person hate turns into a rumor. Like you, you're really going to a person saying, I'm going through this. This is how I feel. But then you take it and you expose to it. So I think that's why a lot of people suffer in silence is because they don't want to be judged. People are going to, people automatically judge people and they assume things. And that's why I went in silence because what I watched growing up as a child, I I just stay silent. What's the point of telling someone I'm, I'm going through this or I'm feeling some kind of way I need your ear just so you can start talking about it and talking about it to everyone else. Like, my best friend of 30 years didn't even know I was being abused. That's how much I kept people out of my marriage. So, yeah, and she broke down in one of my events and cried in front of everybody. She said the worst thing that she felt was not being able to help me because she didn't know what I was going through. How do you have a best friend of 30 years and the best friend did not know that T or the best friend couldn't tell when, because as a best friend, you know how someone is and you know when someone is not being themselves. Like, you could probably tell when they're not in their best spirits, or you can tell when they're faking a funk, at least. But some people, they hide it very well. I hide it very well. I worked a lot because I had to. I had to work I had to work jobs because, unfortunately, I had someone that just wasn't, um, didn't care financially. So I end up, I'm, I'm going to take care of my family, right? So I worked a lot. And when I came around, I would act normal. Like I didn't really talk about it. Um, because a lot of what got me through was making others happy while I was suffering. So I was always that person, Hey, how you doing? I hope you have a beautiful day because that's how I wanted to feel. So I, uh, you know, I hit it well, but that is what got me through seeing other people smile, seeing other people thank me, people coming to talk to me, people calling me for advice, me building morale in the company. And all alone, I would leave and go home. I would be in a deep depression. I would cry. I would cry myself to sleep sometimes. So, you know. Yeah. So what helped get you out of that dark place? Because I know there are some people that we all get depressed sometimes. It's like, what, what, what was it that helped you get through it? And help get you out of that dark place? Well, the beginning of it, it took years and years for me to get out of that dark place. But the beginning, the beginning of it was, um, I was going through therapy, hand in pain, uh, people that I thought was going to be there, wasn't there, uh, promises, you know, so I'm like, I was there for all these people. Like that's, that's just me. And when I went through the most traumatic thing of my life, I would say um, that nobody was there. My my dad and them was there, you know, but I tried to, I was always strong. So I just wanted to be strong and, and I had given up. I was at my weakest point. Like I didn't know who I was. I was going through a severe depression. I wasn't talking about it. I tried to live life. I was in pain. So I felt like I became, I was uh, um, just in the way. Like I was just putting my burden on other people. And um, I remember I just said, I give up. And I sat on the floor um, and I had Percocets. I didn't want to take medicine. So I had bottles and bottles of Percocet. I had to be in severe fear of pain and I would take a half because I never wanted to get addicted to a prescribed drug. And I had a whole, I had bottles and I sat on the floor. I cried for about an hour and I put a bottle of 30 Percocets up to my mouth 
And as I was about to swallow the Percocets, my toddler at the time ran in the room and said, hey, mommy, I love you, and kissed me on my forehead. And she saved me because if she didn't run in that room, and she was innocent, she didn't know what I was doing when she was a toddler and still didn't. It was God intercepting, and I know. And that was my purpose. I had three kids I had to look out for, and it would be selfish for me of me to take my life. And that's what my, um, my angel made me realize. And, um, that was the journey to want to push to not give up. That's amazing. That is amazing story. You're still here today. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Liquor Talk, ladies and gentlemen. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't done so already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Remember, this is the podcast, and the more you drink, the better we sound. For those of you who are sober and on your sober journey, shout out to you. Don't partake, you know, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we love y'all too, you know what I'm saying? So, but talk to me, Demetrio, like, how did you get to the point where you were okay with sharing your story? Whew, it took me, and talking about the sober journey, my ex-husband was a drunk. Like it was, it was horrible. So, um, I don't even, I, I don't want to date a man that's, uh, alcoholic cause it's, it, it's a sign to me. It, it was that bad, but, um, it took me five years. I would type a message and I would, uh, delete it. I would put it on Facebook and I would delete it for over five years. And one day I typed that message and I looked at it for hours and I reread it and I looked at, sorry, my alarm battery. It's not the smoke detector, but it keeps. It's okay, man. It's not the smoke detector, but um, I would delete it. And one day I click send. And when I click send, Many people didn't react and I started posting and I kept posting and I kept saying, I'm thankful and thank God. And then I wasn't as heavy. And then I started to get heavy and heavier and heavier with my posts. And one day I shared my picture of uh, my face and my some of my stab wounds and it was on. People start coming to me and I went through this. I went through that. I went through this. I went through that. Can you give me advice? Can you talk? Uh, it just, I spend hours on the phone with people if they need to talk. So it just, me sharing my story was, it just ended up as something powerful. And what it made me realize was I had to dig into my childhood the things that I was holding on for my childhood. And I remember I had a relative call me and tell me I was being loud on social media. And I let this relative go. And I was in a car community and that's, that's a part of my healing journey is, was my vehicle. And I used to ride in a community and we used to go to car shows because cars was my thing. And they told me, um, Boss women aren't loud. And I told them, and I come with receipts too. <laughs> and I said, um, do you know what I do? She, They knew what I did. And um, I could be boasting and people could see me bragging. I'm in a car community. We post our vehicles. Um, and just rambling. And I let them go. And I told them after, kind of went back, you know what I do? I'm an advocate. I'm sharing my story. And so my last message was, you're a part of my childhood traumas. You used to hit on me as a child. You used to take my food. You tried to fight me when I was pregnant. I would never take advice from you. Mm. And as a matter of fact, I told them, don't call me. It was more than that. Don't. Uh, I'm just summing it up. I told him, don't call me no more. 
you no longer exist to me and you're blocked. And I had the number blocked on my network already. And I clicked send on the message to make sure it was delivered. And I clicked block on my network so they could never call me again. And I couldn't call them. So that was a piece of me taking control back of my life, not allowing my family to control me anymore. You know, when you're a child, when a child is a child, their voice not but may not be heard. But when they become into adults, their voices echo. And I knew what it was about. It was about trying to stop me from talking about my traumas that have hurt me in life because of what someone else done. You no longer have that control. I took control back over my life and it, it, it helped me even more, built more confidence. So I had, then I had high self-esteem and I tell people to me, when I hear folks, high self-esteem, a lot of that is insecurities. With self-esteem, people are hiding a lot under that self-esteem. It's insecurities, a lot of it. Because I was there. Now I walk in confidence. I'm confident about who I am. I'm confident about what I what I do. I'm confident within myself. And this is the first time I've ever loved myself and the first time I've ever been at peace. And within the two years, maybe almost three, of me completely taking control of myself accepting my traumas, uh, that some things were uncontrollable, some things were controllable, and I had to take accountability and I had to forgive. And I'm still going through it. I'm still flawed. I'm still working through things because I was a very damaged person and there's still some damage and there's still some triggers and I still have nightmares. So I'm very transparent because I'm going through a healing journey. So just because people are going through a healing journey doesn't mean that they don't have flaws, that they're still not suffering hurt and pain. What it means is we have taken accountability for our lives. We have accepted our lives for who it is, for what it is. And you can no longer use our lives to embarrass us. I've did things that I'm not proud of. I've been in situations where I hurt, you know, so it's a part of my life. Yes, yes. And like I said, I appreciate you sharing all of that, you know what I'm saying, coming on the platform and definitely sharing pieces of your life and stuff. So now when it comes to childhood trauma, what do you do about family members who don't want to take accountability for their actions or your family members that are close to you that they will never understand why you won't deal with somebody and they don't respect those boundaries? <laughs> it's okay to let go. Just because it's blood doesn't mean that you have to be attached to it. And a lot of your family will become folks that is not even your blood. Family is a unity of love. And unfortunately, you have to cancel and block family members too. And just as I did. And I don't feel no remorse from it. I don't feel no shame from it. I'm happy I did it. Because for decades and decades, family has affected my life. And now for my future... They will no longer affect my life. They don't have the right to abuse me. They can no longer abuse me. I don't want to abuse anyone through my hurt and pain. So somewhere we have to stop the cycle. And, and it's my job and my duty as a mother, which um, I've had my flaws in being a mother. I've had a lot of things. I take accountability. But for now, I have I have went to my kids and I've told anything that I've ever done. I apologize. I've went through things in life, but I take accountability. And, you know, that's where I am is being the best person that I can be for not just myself, but the people around me. And when you're the best person for yourself, you're going to have a circle of positive people around you, people that's going to love you, that, you know, the, the boundaries are going to be set for everyone. And then you're going to all be truthful to each other. What affects them? What affects you? If it, if it bothers you, you're going to talk about it. And then as a friend family, 
they'll be able to take that constructive criticism. You'll be able to take that constructive criticism and y'all will continue to help each other to grow. Because as an example, when I started changing and going through my healing journey, it changed the whole entire household. Take me and my dad. We hadn't told each other we loved each other in years and years and years, probably 10 years. And because of my change and us opening up and talking about childhood and trauma and things that affected and assumptions, me and my dad, within the lab, we, we, we tell each other we love each other all the time now. Mm. That's amazing. And that's amazing. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, um, parents out there listening to this, take accountability with your kids. Do not wait for them to become grown adults for you to start taking accountability. Take the accountability while they're still young because you're setting the tone and you're setting the example for them. You know what I'm saying? If they if they can get accountability from you, then they will get a hold of everybody else to that standard. Because I've had I've had stories of people just not dealing with their parents for the same reasons. And parents, you, you gotta remember who's gonna be the one taking care of you when you get up there to be in the, the 70s and 80s, though, you know, because I've heard also heard the stories of a lot of parents, um, a lot of people are in nursing homes and nobody come to check on them. And and not only that is that a lot of um kids' traumas come from their parents. And this is the thing, once they start misbehaving, the parent wants to give up on them. But you have to sit down sometimes. Like, those are your traumas. Your child is angry. Sit back and think why your child is angry. Maybe it's your your drinking problem. Maybe it's your alcohol problem. Maybe it's you always screaming at them. Maybe it's a lot of those things. It's like, we have a policy in our house. If I do something to my kids that is affecting them, they have the right to respectfully tell me how I'm affecting them because I am still changing and there's areas that I have to change in. And that's the beauty of, of this. I have disagreements. I'm closer to a certain set of my kids building on a set with another one of my child, but it's, it's a healing and it's, and it's a progress, but I allow all of them to tell me how I'm affecting them. Just because I pay the bills doesn't mean that they they don't have feelings. Just because I pay the bills, if I'm telling them to respect others and I'm not respecting their boundaries, then guess what? I'm contradicting myself. So, I mean, a lot of parents were like, I pay the bills, I do this, I do that, and you're screaming. No, your child is one day, one day going to leave. You're teaching them to be a certain way, but you're treating them differently than you're treating everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I had to learn. And, you know, my kids have helped me, guide me through a lot. And we we have better relationships, um, very peaceful in our home. Um, you know, we, we have our differences. We're not perfect, but uh, m- more so to say, uh, you know, it's it's healthy. It's it's healthy. Yes, well, that is really healthy. That is really amazing. And um, I'm glad to hear that from a real parent. Listen, millennial parents, we need to sound like this. Forget about what our parents did to us. You know what I'm saying? We got to forgive our parents for what they did to us. and But we can't take that out on the current generation because this generation is already wild and crazy. But be hitting on your child is just going to make them resent you even more. It, it's it's just it's it's no point talking, understanding each each other, communicating, because you're going to want your child to trust you. And and if you're if you're always arguing with them and digging on them, they're not going to trust you. They're going to go to other people, and you you want to have that relationship. Like if my twelve year old doesn't talk to me, she's going to go to her sister. So her sister will be able to know what's going on. And if it's I need to know, then her sister is going to tell me that I need to know. But my, my 12, 13, just her birthday is actually today. But she's able to come to me openly and say, Mom, this is affecting me. I don't like that you're doing this to me. Or I don't like how you're screaming at me. It, it bothers. It bothers me. Can you talk to me a little better? She has the right to do that because I should learn not to scream at her. 
That's real, and like I said, that's amazing that you hold your your kids can hold you accountable, and you don't blink an eye. Like I've had, like I said, it's like like I, said, I got love for my mom, but I could tell when I hold her accountable, she will deflect so quick. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's like I've had to forgive her for that. And then now there's been some episodes of Look Talk. She's like, "Wow, you've given me such a bad rep." I'm like, "Well, there's a reason behind the bad rep, you know. You know what I'm saying? It's like." I don't mean to make you out, but sometimes for me to heal, you got to get it out, right? Yeah, because my mother still abuses me. She knows it, and she'll laugh. She had a mad stroke. She'll laugh about it. But I tell her, she knows now. I'm like, if she gets to start, and I'll be like, you about to start? She'll be like, yeah, sometimes she'll hang the phone up on me first. But if if you start, I'm getting off the phone, and if she starts, I will hang up on her. Because you don't have permission to verbally abuse me you you don't you don't you don't have permission to do that and if i'm doing something to someone and i'm doing the same thing i hope they hang the phone up on me too no one should allow anyone to do that i love her to pieces you know we have our differences but unfortunately when you get when a a lot of the folks are in the older age they're set in their ways some of them are never going to change yeah and also and that's when family got to realize like I'm not going to deal with them. Like, they are set in their ways. Like, there's one of my aunts who, whenever somebody comes around, she will always highlight their flaws, no matter what it is. And I've spoken to that aunt since 2016. I'm like, no, you're not about to fuck up my piece because you think this is what I got going on. But in reality, outside of you, everyone else is encouraging and stuff. So you gotta, you gotta silently cut people off, too. Yeah, and she probably has a, a ton of flaws. She's probably suffering really bad. That That's the sad part. It's like, you have a lot of shit you got to deal with. You go deal with your stuff and worry about you and stop worrying about each other. Because right now, what's important to me is my healing. What's important to me is that I continue to touch folks' lives. I continue to have folks reach out to me because even before I even advertise Unfiltered Unspoken podcast, I had three months of people already booked. So it's like people, folks are organically, they want to share their experiences. We have a lot of exclusives and that starts from me showing the whole world that I'm going through a a process. Like you're going to see the good, bad, and ugly because I still struggle with a lot of things. I'm not going to deny it. Like I'm human, but I'm going to take accountability for those things. So healing, setting boundaries, accepting yourself, knowing that you've made mistakes, and if all people can bring up is your past and not what you're doing good, they know the old you. They don't know the new you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to deal with you anyways because all you can bring up is the bad in me. What about all the good that I'm doing? What about mm-hmm. all the positive stuff that I'm doing? You know, so that that right there. Yeah, that that right there. And also, I've noticed that, too, like, within family, I love them, but sometimes they're quick to bring up the negative about the podcast. Well, you're not looking at the fact that I'm having these conversations. They ain't the same conversation, you know. It may be the conversation you listen to, but there's almost two and damn near 300 other episodes you didn't listen to, I can tell. So, but that's just, that's just what it is. You got to forgive them. Forgive your family members, people, and set them boundaries and stuff. Yeah, well, if I talk about them, you shouldn't have did what you did to me. So Mm -hmm. I have every right to express how I feel. And you you can't tell me how to express how I I feel or how I want to heal. You know, you you, you did it, you know. And I've done things that if if they they have bounced back in my face, I have to accept, I have to deal with it. I I can't, I, I did it. Like, I can't hide it anymore. It's not a secret, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I really, I don't want no secrets about my life because this is my life. What you see is what you get. I've messed up. I've fucked up, if that's what you want to say. I've messed up in life, right? But, you know, what matters now is that I'm healing and I can apologize to anyone that I did wrong to and I forgive anyone that has done wrong to me and 
I was, I've been, I was mentally unstable for a lot of years in my life, which caused me to make poor decisions within men with, uh, I meant relationship friendships, um, you know, but I, I'm able to see now. So, um, I take accountability for it because a lot of situations, they would have never happened to me if I was true to myself and I walked away. So I take accountability there because if I got into a domestic relationship and I had all these red flags, the man screamed at me, put his hand up at me like he was going to hit me. That's a red flag. You know what I should have did? I should have left. But I stayed and then that man puts his hand up at me and he hits me. And I'm like, oh my God, he hit me. But he showed signs before when he put his hand up and screamed at you that he could potentially hit you. Now, when he does hit me, if I go back, guess what? I have to take accountability because I kept going back. I kept going back. We become accustomed to that. It's a routine. So you wanted to know why you don't get out. Like my situation, I loved you. And then with the person that I was dealing with, they had a downfall. So when they had a downfall, my loyalty kicked in. I know the relationship wasn't right and I knew I should have left then, but because I chose to go with my loyalty, it put me in a situation. So I, I went through things in that situation. He went through things in that situation. Kids were traumatized and went through things in that situation. People got hurt in that situation. And it's each situation. What is the lesson learned? I don't care if you were right or wrong. What was the lesson learned? And my lesson learned was when I see red flags and it doesn't feel right, I have the right to walk away. If I pay, then there there's potentially I will be going through unnecessary things that I did not have to put myself through. So in the process, you become abused and you're self-abusing yourself. That's real. That's so real. And that's why I just need my people. If anybody's going through that situation, I need y'all to walk away and leave and don't go back. Because there's some cases I've seen people, they leave, then you look up, they go, they went right back to them. I'm like, what's the point in leaving if you're going to go right back to that person months later? Because sometimes it could be as soon as something new about to happen to you or someone new approaches you, you go back to the ex and it's like, you can't be comfortable with that. And they may not be comfortable. It could be a, a key of factors. It could be a financial piece of it where the person that they're with is financially, um, their financial stability. So you're being abused in a, fi- in a financial situation because maybe some people want that lifestyle. So they go through the abuse to have that lifestyle. So on the outside, they're showing this, but on the inside, they're crying, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's that perception. Um, you don't want to leave that lifestyle or you don't want to go back to struggling or you don't want to go back to your mother's house on the couch or your father's back to your parents' house, you know, because you become embarrassed, embarrassed. And I think a lot of why people hold in is a shame because someone may have said, I told you not to mess with them. I told you they were, but da, 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 da. who wants to hear that? Nobody wants to hear that. Right, man. You're right. No one wants to hear that. Like I, I went through. I went through a situation with someone where everybody knew that was that not one, but except for me. And it's like now, but then when it blew up my face, they were like, "I told you, I told you." I'm like, "Well, damn." Like, but one of my buddies, though, one of my good buddies, he was just like, "Bruh, it happens to all of us." You know, what I'm saying you just had to find out for yourself. So I had, I told him, "Bro, I appreciate that." You know, instead of, and sometimes as friends, we just gotta. Show them love, you know what I'm saying? We can't be so quick to say, I told you so, I told you so. Even though you know you're right in that situation, sometimes it's wise just to not let people know you're right because sometimes being right is actually being wrong. Yeah, but it's like that's that secure because some people just want to be loved, so they jump in situations like me. I had a vulnerability of love. I just wanted to be loved so bad. So any little piece that I've seen someone love me, Oh, that's love. They love me. They not cheating on me. Shit. I think I was cheating on in every relationship. Why? Maybe. Yeah, most. Why? I don't like. What was it about me? And I think a lot of it was me urging 
I, I was yearning that love. I wanted it. So I wanted something more than they wanted something. So, you know, I had to learn. I probably bought people dinners. I bought the nice, the best birthday or Christmas present. You know, I was there, you know. So they seen a weakness in me. They prayed on my weakness, but I have to take accountability because I put myself in that position, you know? So now I'm able to say no. I'm able to say, no, I, I'm not doing this. Nope. I'm not giving you a hundred dollars. Nope. I can't do this. Nope. I can't do that. So the biggest piece was saying, no, we allow people to take advantage of us because we want to be loved so bad and going through so much hurt. I feel like I thought hurt was love more so, you know, because that's what I went through. Hurt was love. Like That's all I knew, you know, so you continue to keep putting yourself in the same situations over again. It becomes a pattern. When do you break that pattern? When do you try a new pattern? When when do you do something right? So, yeah. So is that why certain people will push, they'll see a person that's good for them, they'll push them away, men and women, they'll well, push them away or just tell them that they're only good enough to be a friend mm -hmm. instead of going for instead of just going for that person being like, look, this person showed me they the real deal. Let me ride with this person. Why do people got to suffer from the trauma love or the toxic love? Because I think a part of it is maturity. And I think a lot of the relationships that folks are in is trauma bonding. Both of them are going through these issues. So they're feeding off each other's issues, their traumas. And we try to get away from that trauma. So we pull away, try to pull away from that trauma. So you're not getting healing out of trauma bonding. You're, you're at, a lot of folks are causing hurt. Now, some folks go through trauma bonding relationships and it helps each other heal, but you don't, you don't see that. If you look at most relationships and you see certain things with the fighting, look at the woman and look at the man, go back to their situation, go back to their relationships, go back to their family. Mm -hmm. And then some of the people that are hurt so bad, bring innocent people in. And now they've, they're, they're, they're traumatizing them. Right. Yeah. So now you have a victim. What is the victim? The victim is probably scared. They never seen that in a day in their life. So now you don't put them through something. They don't even understand it. They're confused. Mm -hmm. And then that victim becomes the abuser. Because once you go through it, you think it's acceptable. So you start doing what other people did to you. That happens a lot. And that's what people don't realize. They'd be like, I don't know why they did this, why they did that. Because in your last relationship, you went through something. Now you're inflicted in, on, in your new relationship on that person. So a lot of times in relationship, we blame other people and we forget to stop and look at ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Um, we, we do have to look at ourselves, but also we can't be so quick to just destroy ourselves because... Many mm -hmm. people say, look at yourself or look what you did. But then some people will just downright beat themselves up. Like, that self-talk need to be positive. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you got to be like, yeah, I messed up here. But at the same time, we're going to tell yourself we're going to get through it. Because that's the way, that's the way people have so low self-esteem. Because they be self-talking themselves in certain situations or beating themselves up. Um, I suffer from that. I had a professor, like. Yeah, tell me you gotta stop beating yourself up. It's it ain't your fault. It ain't necessarily all of your fault all the time. It's other people. Yeah. Well, I think you have to take a look at yourself as a good thing too, though. If somebody's mm -hmm. telling you to look at yourself, why are you afraid to look at yourself? That's one of our biggest challenges is uh uh facing the reflection in the mirror, and the reflection is us. We're mm -hmm. we're afraid to face ourselves. We're afraid to deal with what happened to us. We're afraid to say, this person harmed me as a child. This person hit me or abused me. You know, we're afraid to say those things to ourselves. So we create this other negative energy that suppresses a lot of the stuff that we're going through, right? So we don't want to face those traumas. So I tell a lot of people the worst, a lot of times, we don't want to look at the reflection in the mirror. I was one of those folks. I didn't want to look at the reflection in the mirror. But 
in order to start the healing journey, you're going to have to look at that reflection in the mirror, but not only look at that reflection in the mirror, you're going to have to love that reflection in the mirror. Hello. And a lot of us do not love ourselves. And I tell folks, anytime you're putting another person before you, you do not love yourself first. And a lot of folks will say, well, my kids come first. How can your kids come first? You have to put, you have to come first because you have to make sure you're healthy. You have to make sure that you're able to do these things for your kids because they need you and they need you to be strong. And that starts with investing in yourself first so that you're able to do things elsewhere. So I think that was another thing with me is I always put people before me and I never put myself first. So now I put myself first. Of course, God always comes first, but now I put myself first. I I invested in myself instead of investing in others. And look at a lot of domestic situations or a lot of uh, issues. You're always putting that self first and you're always, you may be the second or the third person in line. You're, 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 you're investing in someone else. That's why I tell you a relationship has to be equal where both people are telling each other, love yourself, love yourself, be the best version of yourself. And then you're going to find someone that's going to love you just like you love yourself or even greater. Y'all both are loving each other. A relationship is not about loving one person more than another. Mm. That's real. That that's some gems right there. You dropped. Yeah, I appreciate you. You dropped a lot of gems on this episode. So, what's the future for the podcast? What I know, you said you booked up for the remainder of the year. Like, what's that feeling like? You you booked up for the remainder of the year. <laughs> this is the second year. This is the second year. So it's awesome. We we have a waiting list now. It's awesome. If someone cancels, we our 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 uh, cancellations are. Um, um, replaced within five minutes, sometimes two minutes, like people are waiting to come on. So it's a beautiful thing. It, it feels good that people are willing to share the things that they have been through in life to help other people. So it's a blessing. This is my gift back from God from give, for just allowing me to breathe, for giving me life because to be a survivor of being stabbed six times with a steak knife, one over your heart, I'm here for a purpose. And the purpose is to, you know, give back while you watch me go through these good, bad, ugly, happiness, sad, crying, you know, go, go through it all. But I, I'm, I'm healing and I'm human. And now I've connected with my emotions and feelings. So we want people to connect with their emotions and feelings, to share those journeys, to start the journey to healing. And the more people we have come, we know that our mission and vision is being served. So the, 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 the long, the future is to share more and more and more and more and more life experiences to help others. That's real. Now, last question. Now, I know you got an awesome podcast. I didn't checked out a couple of episodes and you done blessed the look and talk with your presence. Why do the people need to tap in with the unfiltered podcast? Because you may be going through a trauma. It's just not, it's not just about domestic violence. We have insomnia, we have chronic pains, accidents. I mean, we have all kinds of stuff, corruption with the the police, the courts, everything. We have it where people have been going through it, and you may be going through it. So returning citizens, um, I mean, just people wanting that urge, that journey. So um, that's why you should tune in. It's something that may be, but there is something beneficial for you on unfiltered unspoken podcasts. Um, and then maybe you'll look at it and say, you want to share your life experience as well. That's real. That's amazing. Um, uh, Demetra, I want to thank you for sharing your experiences and telling your story with Look and Talk. Um, I, um, I appreciate you taking this as a safe space to tell your story. I'm grateful, very grateful for that because not everybody gets on a platform and is so willing to tell their story and to be unfiltered with it. You know, so I really, really do appreciate that. Absolutely. God bless. And thank you for having me on. It was a honor. And follow us, www.theggoodefight. You get to see some of the amazing work. You can see our nonprofit and you can see Unfiltered Unspoken podcast. There's a link. So come support us.
Yes, and I'm definitely looking forward to my visit going down in February. So like I said, um, you know, like I said, once the episode drops, you let me know. And um, I want to thank you, the listeners, for checking out this edition of Liquor Talk. I know usually we be shooting the shit and having fun, but every once in a while, we need to get serious, you know what I'm saying? And no matter what you're going through, just know we're going to keep pushing. And remember, domestic violence is never okay in no situation. Until the next episode, ladies and gentlemen, remember to subscribe to Liquor Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your platforms at. Um, also, to other podcasts out there, if you want to come on down to Liquor Talk, I might be in Florida, but I'm just a DM away. Come holler at me. Let's go to work. Good night, y'all. Good night.